This is Alpha Geek Radio. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Oh yeah, Dax has it up on his screen. Look at that guy's face. He's like staring. I know, at it. he's just staring he's at going, her reaching for Look, now he's reaching yeah, for her boobs. And he touches it. I don't like this place. Alive. It's alive. It's alive. For Sunday, June 25th, this is Casually Hardcore. I'm your host, Grail. I'm Vindy. And I'm Dexa. And we are here to talk about lots of stuff, especially the Nintendo E3 conference that happened a day after our show last week, so we didn't get a chance to cover that. We're also going to be talking about some changes to the Star Wars Han Solo movie in terms of the director, and kind of just the general, like, is it better to go with a director that may have a unique vision, or is it better to keep a a good continuity for especially when you're talking about something like Star Wars or the Marvel movies. The other big news this week was that the Steam Summer Sale kicked off. Yay! Yay! Yay. More <laughs> into the backlog. Yeah. More games we're never going to play. Yeah. So I bought four games. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, I, I'm doing pretty well with my ratio right now. I bought about five or six and i've already played through and beat one so nice. that's, oh, that's pretty good right all right so what is in your tally there vindy what did you buy i bought life is strange finally oh <laughs> yay. yeah yay cool um i bought uh the limbo and inside combo oh, yeah. those are I've, supposed to be really good yeah i've seen them played a lot and i like the uh the visual experience Right on. So I'm super excited to play those. And I also bought this weird game called Transistor. <laughs> I bought that as well. <laughs> Did you play it yet? I've played, I think I'm about halfway through now. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it took me a little while. Like, I'm like, what is going on here? Like, my sword's talking to me. He's referencing a bunch of things. I have no idea what he's talking about. But then eventually it kind of all starts coming together. So. Yeah, yeah. The story, I think it's one of those games where they kind of develop the story. They keep you in the dark, yeah. and then they develop the story as they go. No doubt. So, but interesting, uh, yeah, interesting weapons and power selection and the way you can configure your character and the whole quasi-turn-based is... It was an interesting uh, game, or it has yeah. been so far. Yeah, I'm in love with that sword. I really, I've already <laughs> talked about making plans for it to be my next cosplay weapon. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Exciting. I know you got a red wig already, so you can go as red oh, with God. the sword. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I also bought Ori in the Blind Forest in preparation for Ori and the... What, what did they announce? What was it? Ori and the something stage? or I don't remember. Uh, it was a sequel. Okay. I'm excited. I like these visual games, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it's very apparent. <laughs> Right on. So what, what did you beat already? 
Transistor. Oh, you beat Transistor already. Okay. Yeah, I was really into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like a super long game as well. So I was pretty, I'm pretty happy to mix some of those in. I, I think when we were talking about Super Hot, the fact that you can play through a game like within one sitting or a couple sittings is nice considering so many AAA titles now are like minimum 50 hours. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I like these small games. A little crazy. Well, yeah. I came out with Transistor. I picked up Hyper Light uh, Driver. <gasps> yeah. So that one, because I kind of had a mood in the mood for like a Zelda type game. Uh, so that one should stra- scratch that itch. Uh, I picked up, based on your recommendation, What Remains of Edith Finch. Oh, I'm excited. And I picked up a game called Ex- Expeditions Vikings because... Um, Vikings? I'm a pretty, yeah, basically, because Vikings. I'm, <laughs> because I'm Vikings. a pretty easy sell when you tell me I get to be a Viking and raid Britannia. So <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> Vikings and like zombies. I'm usually pretty easy to, to, those are games I can easily jump into. It's pretty cool. I'm go. excited to see. I was thinking about picking up Super Hot because I saw it and thought yes. about you. So. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> Just for the the audio alone, it's worth a pickup. Mm, <laughs> I had a few others I, I debated on for a while, but ended up uh, forsaking. Though I did earlier on the PlayStation, they had a, a sale going on, and I picked up the Jack's Box Party Pack. Oh, yes. Which is supposed to be a lot of fun when you have a lot of people because it allows you to play up to eight people and everybody uses their smartphones or tablets to actually play. <gasps> yeah. That's like that's like um, Fibbage and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. It's oh all those my games. God. So yeah. I got like the pack because they had this crazy deal because normally they're about 30 or 40 bucks per pack and they had for $24 all three of their packs. So it's like 15 games. Uh, I'm all so together. excited about that. <laughs> I'm really excited yeah. about that. I mean, we have people over a decent amount, so it's it seems like it would be a good one for everybody to be able to participate in. You don't have to worry about having controllers. Everybody has a smartphone, so yep. should be a lot of fun. And From what I watched uh, some of the Let's Plays and stuff, it looked like a pretty hilarious game. I know. I can't wait to play it. Yeah. Uh, we also picked up... Didn't we pick up another party game? Uh, you picked up the card game from. No, Comic-Con. I know that, but I thought we. Oh God, I thought we picked up a game we saw at PAX. Yeah, what was that block? The box game. Oh, I didn't pick that yes. up yet. Oh, you didn't? No, oh. Oh, I got to pick. Yeah, the yes. the Death Square. The Death Square. There you go. Sale. I'll have to look. I think it's on sale on Steam at least right now. Which no, but we don't. We want it on the Xbox because we have more controllers. Yes, but I have this miracle oh, box right, the called Steam the Steam thing. Link. Yes, you're right. That <laughs> that's comes right. in so handy, and yeah, you can just play because I mean that's not super processor intensive. And we got four Xbox 360 controllers. So, yeah. So true. Work out really well. All righty. So that was the Steam Summer Sale recap. I mean, I don't know. How many years have you done the Steam sales there, Vindy? Uh, a lot, lot. But this is the first year. I mean, I, I'm just like everybody else. I buy all of these games, and then they sit in my library forever. Yeah. So. That's why I don't buy any of them, because I will play them all. So I don't <laughs> buy any games unless I'm going to play them. 
See, I think you just you gotta you gotta dabble because you never know. Like one of these games, like of the four I bought, maybe one of them will actually really catch my attention. And so far, Transistor's done it. I know I'll play through that. I have big hopes for uh, Hyperlight, and uh, you know what remains as well. So you know, if if I come out two out of four or three out of four, it's it's a successful sale for me. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard really good things about Hyperlight. It's on my wish list, and I'm just so... I'm on the fence about yeah. it. I, but I've i only heard good things. I just am like, I bought yeah. so many games it <laughs> was. It's been about a year on my <laughs> list, and every time I watch videos on it, just I, I finally convinced myself, based on the music alone, I would be happy with it. Even if I suck at the game, the music <laughs> was so good that I'm like, okay, I'll just... I'll play it for that at the minimum. Yeah, the music in Transistor was amazing. Yeah. I went back and bought the soundtrack. Oh, right on. <laughs> so so what good. Is, what, was tra- what is Transistor about, since you guys so, seem to be really interested in that? It's made by the same company, uh, Supergiant, that made Bastion. I don't know if you ever saw that. So Bastion was their first game, which was more of like a old-school Legend of Zelda walk-around, but it had some really nifty quirks to it where they had a narrator, and everything you did, he narrated what you were doing. And oh. so it was very dynamic in that sense. And it was a really cool game. This was their follow-up game. And, Vindy, I'll let you try to explain what's going on. Because oh, <laughs> I have no idea how to explain it. It's, it's, a, like, it's one of those games that drops you in completely blind to what's going on. And you just kind of are figuring out tidbits of the plot as you go. I think it's more like a visual experience. And the combat system in it is... Amazing, in hmm. my I really like it. Yeah, um, you're essentially uh, a a girl red who has lost her voice, and she has this mysterious sword, the transistor, and it um it it speaks to you. It's very odd though because it speaks to you in a very relatable manner. Yeah, um it it it's very it seems like there's some sort of connection between red and the transistor, and it's kind of the story of what the transistor is, what's happening to the world around you as you're transitioning forward. I don't want to give anything away. Right. <laughs> as you're moving forward. Yeah. So it's, uh, I mean, from a technical standpoint, it's an three, you know, three quarters view isometric game. So kind of like Shadowrun, Dragonfall, okay. uh-huh. that, that type of view. It has interesting mechanic where you can play without, going into the turn-based mode, you can just do your attacks and stuff. But the turn-based mode, when you hit the space bar, you can kind of plan out your actions and you move in like super speed when you're doing those actions. So it usually benefits you to use the turn-based when you're fighting things and then kind of run around and wait for your your action points to recharge basically until you can go into it again but you can and then you have all these different powers that you can either slot as your primary power or you can use powers to modify other powers to make them do different things so some role-playing type Mm -hmm. uh aspects to it yeah yeah i think one of the other really cool things about it that i didn't understand until recently is that the the limiters you can essentially gimp yourself like you can do things that will make you gain more experience but that make the gameplay harder so you can play through without any limiters on your weapon and beat the storyline and then you can go back and I'm guessing you continue your story and you can put limiters on to make it more and more and more difficult. Yeah, make it a a bigger challenge but you get bigger (laughs) rewards for doing so. So Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I mean it seems how long do you think it took you to beat it? 
I think six hours okay. was my playtime. So it's a yeah. pretty manageable game Yeah, that's game not to bad at through. all. Yeah. Uh, like I said, once I downloaded it, I played it probably for about three hours today. Huh. Yeah. So it, it took me two days. Yeah. So yeah. I'll, I'll jump back on that one and then... Yeah, from there we'll we'll see. Most likely Hyperlight will go, especially because I also was determined to finally like play through Stupid Witcher 3 on the Xbox <laughs> and my save got corrupted. I was so pissed. I oh, lost no, about an hour no. and a half of work and so now I'm just mad at Geralt and his <laughs> stupid face. I'm just mad at the stupid I'm game and not playing it anymore. Stupid Witcher. So, no, <laughs> so I was like, horrible. I know. I was like, I've been playing Gwent. I've been doing all this stuff, and I'm like, God dang it! All right, I'm, I'm gonna take a break from you for now. <laughs> so, we'll see. All right, onward to uh, Nintendo. They had uh, a lot of people are saying probably the best news conference even though they didn't really have a conference they had a pre-recorded video but one of the best uh uh briefings at e3 this year based on the amount of games and the variety they announced so i'll let you guys uh vindy what did you see in especially as a switch owner what did you see that caught your eye everything um yeah i i i okay I mean, I'm excited for the Zelda DLCs. Obviously, oh, yeah. I'm was I'm you know how super super into Breath of the Wild I am. Yeah, yes. very into it. Can't wait for those. They have this is so trivial, but they're making amiibos of like oh, yes. the little champions, and the, I don't know. That made me so excited. <laughs> it's, and it's for four of them, right? It's for four yeah. of the ones I'm from the DLC. Right. Yeah, the, they're in the main game, but um. They say that you can use them in the DLC, so I'm wondering, like, what they're going to do. Huh. I, I don't know. I like them. I'm a big Urbosa fan, so I really, really want it. As <laughs> soon <laughs> nice. as possible. Other than that, I'm excited about the Mario game. I mean, Mario Odyssey, not Mario and Rabbits. Oh, yeah, oh, no, yeah, the Odyssey one. where he's, like, taking people over with his hat. Yeah, so here's the yeah. thing. The first thing I thought, I was like, okay, that's really interesting, but this is how long. I've been watching Supernatural way too long because I'm like, okay, that hat is a cursed item that allows some that allows a ghost to possess you. That's the overarching, like, theme of Pretty Mario much, Odyssey right? is that there's a cursed hat <laughs> that's taking control of possessing his enemies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, I mean, I kept seeing all these posts on Reddit of people showing Kirby with, like, the hat on and then Kirby with a mustache in the hat. And they go, which one is Kirby's eating Mar- Mario and which one is Mario-possessed Kirby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that looks, I mean, it's, you know, they they always do some interesting stuff with Mario that... Half the time I look at it and go, I don't know, that looks kind of dumb. And then whenever I actually have an opportunity to play it, I usually go, wow, they did a really great job. Right? They they put a ton of effort into their core series of Mario and Zelda. And you can tell, like, every game is always really, really well done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for, like, smaller things. The Metroid game, I would like to try if it's not in first first person because I will vom.com it's just too much for me <laughs> um 
I w- am interested in playing Rocket League on the Switch. That seems interesting. Yeah, I mean, that that was a big announcement because mm-hmm. I love me some Rocket League. Really, uh, you're gonna have to teach me how to play. Oh my god! Oh my gosh! Plays it all the I time. Lo- that is like my go-to <laughs> oh. if I have no like I I don't really know what I want to play. I just want to sit down and do something like that doesn't tr- involve much commitment. That Rocket League. That is all all about that. It's your Minecraft. It is my Minecraft. It is, except my Minecraft involves a giant ball and and nets. I could make a giant ball. That's true, but you can't hit it with a rocket car in Minecraft. So my uh, my loot crate, this uh, my gaming loot crate that came, I don't know today. It has a Rocket League like ball in it. It's really cool, like a stuffed ball. So my dog has been all about it. (laughs) It's really cool though, right? He's just like batting around the Rocket League ball. That's good. You just gotta you gotta put like a little pendant flag on her tail and ah, she can be a little rocket league car. A, oh my gosh, that's such a good idea. And a hat. Yeah. She needs like a hat. Instagram video. Yeah, that's it right there. That's, that's like awesome. Pomeranian League. <laughs> Great idea. And put one on my other dog. Yeah, yes, they can, they can And like build, have a little goal and oh, like, yeah. oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, I oh, guess that is, That's what I was going to say. That sounds so gishwes yeah. to me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. Well, I'm super excited about Kirby because, Heck you know, yeah. Kirby. Yeah. Yay. It looked good. It's all about Kirby for yeah. me. So anything with Kirby on yeah. it, I'm all about it, even if it's a bad game. Uh, Kirby is another one they usually they do really some interesting good. Yeah. stuff with. I mean, they're never what I consider the most taxing of games. Oh, well, yeah. But they are... Uh, <laughs> They are always fun. I mean, the the Kirby Mass Attack. Oh, I love really Mass good. Attack. So uh, good. That was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. yeah, I was big on the Rocket League. The Metroid Prime Four, and I hate to break it to you, Vindy, is a probably going to be first person because yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. every other Prime was first person. Yeah, I'm super outy. Yeah, sorry. No, it's <laughs> it's not. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I I played the original Metroid. Prime on, I think it was the Wii, and it was it was all right. Didn't they also announce Metro for the um, DS though? Yeah, they are doing a uh, a side scroller for the DS. So there you go. So, but, yeah, I mean that would be a little bit more up my alley. Yeah. just a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the only other problem I had with the Metroid Prime Four is like literally they said Metroid Prime Four, and that was it. There is. <laughs> Yes. There yeah. was nothing else. Yeah, it was like, we're working on it. Okay, cool. So There's we haven't seen anything. Yeah. So who knows? The other big ones uh, is that they are actually going to be making a proper Switch Pokemon game. Oh, yeah. Yes. I like the, both of them. I'm excited for. Yes. But I'm more excited for the RPG one. That yeah. Seems, yes. Seems fun. Yeah, that'll be good. I mean, the, those are another one on the DS that are always amusing, yeah. especially when you name your trainer something funny for the uh, <laughs> other trainers to call you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is always the best. Uh, there was a uh-huh. new Yoshi game, but I've never been too big into Yoshi. So. <gasps> really? Yeah. But it, looks, it actually looks, it looks kind of kirby It looks, it looks pretty good. Yeah. I just the style was so cute, right? and it reminds me like when I was young on the Nintendo sixty four. I loved Yoshi's Story. Like I was so into it, and this reminds me. It's giving me all the nostalgia feels. Like I'm ready for a Yoshi game. Well, it's you, good. You know what it kind of reminds me? It kind of reminds me like the feel of the Kirby Quilt game. Yeah, oh, yeah, because yeah. it's got that. kind of that same cutesy but really interesting dynamic sort of feel to it. Yeah. I was. I have those. Like I noted, 
the Kirby game and the Yoshi game together. Like, oh, so cute. Like, so excited to play these cutesy little characters. That's right. <laughs> Not exceptionally challenging, but... Except when they... Uh, when I was watching the Kirby video, it's like stone cold. I'm like, really? Really? Whoa. It's Kirby. All right. Well, I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. Kirby doesn't play around. I guess. I mean, he does kill everybody, but still. No, see, that's good. I mean, say, you know, we have to have some diverse tastes or we'd all just review the same game and it'd be so a very true. short show. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> so, There's that. We got to have that uh, diversity. So. I think that was their main announcements. I don't Xenoblade. Xenoblade, yeah, another one. I've never, I've never played it, so mm-hmm. I, I didn't have any reaction really, one way or another. I was really big, and I aren't Xenoblade, Xeno Gear, and Xeno Saga. They're all kind of are they relate? I think I know that Xeno Saga and Xeno Gear yeah, were I related. Xeno Gears, and that was. Good. That was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a really so, long time ago. And I was really big into Xeno Saga when it came out. I'm okay. just like, and I, I'm ex- I was excited about the Xeno this game when I saw it, it originally. But like, I'm I'm sorry, excuse this crassness. But did anybody see how big that girl's boobs were? Yes. Like what Holy was up with that? Cow. I just don't like. Uh, I was like, whoa, every time she moved, they're like bigger than her head. What is the purpose? Yeah. And then at the beginning, they show that shot of the, you know, the green um, gem in the middle of her chest. Because like, oh, <laughs> you can see one. these huge balloons. I did not focus on the gameplay at all or like the cutscenes. I was just like, these girls' tits are so big. Yeah. Oh. I don't think Nintendo's gotten the memo yet about. <laughs> Like properly proportioned women, because <laughs> they do that all. I mean, like you look at some of like the Fire Emblem games, like the last Fire Emblem game, Conquest has this gal Camilla in it, and uh, her boobs are as big as a person. Like <laughs> they are just ginormous, and she's wearing this skin tight leather outfit with like, of course, the you know very low cut V shape, and it's like, wow. Okay, yeah. So definitely the stuff is still being developed in Japan. I, yeah, I think is what you, that's for sure. Certain of these games are definitely still happening there. Yeah, yeah. That's all I could focus on for yeah. that one. I don't even have anything else. <laughs> no opinion of You're that. Like, I'm just like, boobs. Oh, I see boobs. That's it. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dax has it up on his screen. Look at that guy's face. He's like staring at I know. At he's just staring he's at her. He's reaching for Look, now he's reaching yeah, for her boobs. That's, that's, and he touches it. That, <laughs> that video is worth it alone. Oh. I might have to buy a Switch now. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Yes. Good times. The, the rest of the wrap-up from E3, after once they actually started the convention, I don't think there was anything too much more that got announced, at least that caught my eye, uh, whether it be from Nintendo or any of the other companies. I know this was the first year they had E3 where the public could buy tickets for it, and that apparently ran into some issues with especially lines. Um, Yeah, if you're not prepared for lines, lines are the worst thing in the world. Yeah, but kind of like what you ran into a little bit at PAX last year where basically if you didn't get there and weren't on the floor immediately, every line pretty much was capped. Not only capped, but capped for the day. Like, don't even bother coming back. They need to do more of that system that where you sign up for like a time slot. Like, that seemed like a... That seemed like it has some... 
potential. Yeah. My only problem with that really is when you're going to something like PAX and you've got 10,000 people and you're only going to be able to show your game and we discussed this in the wrap up last year of PAX. You're only going to be to you're only going to be able to let like 300 people play your game out of 10,000. Yeah. It just it seems illogical to me. Yeah, it's 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 a tough decision to make. I mean, it's either allow the line to happen and let people queue up because you can only have so much floor space. You can only have so much room for people to play and there's also the question of how long you should even make the demo, especially if people are waiting for it for so long. You know, you don't want to have somebody come in and only play for a couple minutes. You do try to give them a, a decent experience with it, which normally runs about 15, 20 minutes. So it's, it's you know, I'm glad I don't have to try to schedule these because yeah. it seems really like there is no good answer. I know, as from my perspective, I agree with Vindy. Last year when we were able to sign up for, I think it was, it was Sony with uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes. Yeah. It was really nice. The only issue there was the fact if you're going with a group of people, everybody has to coordinate and hopefully get in on the same demo if it's something you want to see together. But I thought they did a pretty good job with that. I think they could have cut down their demo to not have that intro movie thing and just yeah. get people playing. Like, I agree. And I think they could have what they could have done is they could have shown the intro while you're waiting in line. Right. And <gasps> only while you're yeah. waiting in line. Just because you have you cannot as much as you want every single person to get a really great um, experience playing your game you're literally only going to be able to show it to like 300 people because there's only you're only there for eight hours and if you only have 20 computers um, and you only have four days so it's not I just I don't think anyone has come up with a really great way to get their product playable to a mass amount of people now as far as what what we have available to us now, absolutely, I feel that signing up is yeah. the way to go. Absolutely, no problem. But then again, when you think about it, the the one that I was able to view during during the media hour, the Resident Evil one, mm -hmm. most of us couldn't see it, go see it because they were sold out. They literally had no more signups for the yeah. rest right. of the weekend. Right. Yeah, that one was crazy. Oh, it was, was so crazy. good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed that. It was so good. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh my gosh, that and I'm not a VR fan at all, but that being able to like when that monster's right in your face, being able to look around it and see the back of her head if you, you know, have the guts to move is really cool. Yeah. It's yeah, really cool. Pants, so I wouldn't have the chance to move. <laughs> Absolutely shooting my pants. <laughs> I think so. You're into the very realistic experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All of it smells and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I prefer to watch people play horror games. I, I like, I enjoy being scared, but I just don't, I can't play and be scared. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, yeah, it, it's back and forth for me. I There's love certain them. ones like like Resident Evil I've never had an issue with and some of the other horror ones I think we've played through mm -hmm. were fine, but like stupid dying light, that I scares know. the crap out of me. At I gotta night. play that. Ugh. If it scares you, I gotta play that. It's just it's not it's not even so much I'm scared, I'm just super tense because when you're out at night and those zombies that can really like do damage to you, it's it's just a 
it's really stressful. Yeah, <laughs> it's supposed to be. I got enough stress. I don't need, I don't need zombie stress. Compounded by the apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. All right. So, yeah, but that was the main feedback they had from E3 for the folks attending this year. And hopefully, you know, it was the first year they actually opened it to the public. So hopefully it's something they can uh, uh, do a better job with. I know PAX's solution to that issue was just to make more PAXs. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is that. But, again, everyone wants to go to PAX West. Yeah, I West or now. East, I think, are the two uh-huh. ones that really everybody tries to the go problem to. with east is it's so small no but mm-hmm. east is huge did they make it bigger no east is the biggest floor I thought that's the one at boston yeah boston the, the 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 convention center they use in boston is like triple the size of the washington state convention center really how I come it doesn't get as much hype yeah i don't know why it, it really it was doesn't the, because it's the second one it, it yeah in terms of space like any if you go on their message boards everybody talks about how east is so feels so much less congested even though it has easily the same amount of people because it's just a much bigger area that hmm. they're they're able to to take over i know san antonio is smaller which is packed south right and then i have no idea about australia oh. and we really need to go to Australia. Yeah, I was going to say, we should go and check it out. I, we need we to should. go and check out yeah. what's go- happening in Australia. Just let's put that GoFundMe up. and Right? <laughs> Seriously. It's in October. So yeah. it's not like it's in a, you know, I, a could, time when we wouldn't be able to it go. It could be any time. If, if I have the means to go, it's whatever I'm, <laughs> then I'm going. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, they're, they're adding yet another one as well. For packs, I couldn't remember where, but they did just announce. I think there's now a fifth they did, one. They announced. Yes, I think it's international did. again, but I can't remember where. So anyhow, uh, I, I still think uh, E3. You know, it still fulfills the summer to kind of get you set for all the big winter releases. Uh, since a lot of the games they they showed this year from all the companies are stuff that's coming out in the October and November timeframe. Uh, so yeah, it's it's looking good. I mean, there's a lot to look for. I, I think a lot of the Nintendo stuff. I know Mario is due out this year, as well as I think Rocket League and a couple of the others. The only one that definitely is not is uh, Metroid Prime. Mm. So nothing on Death Stranding though, right? No, still nothing. Nothing. No, they've been super quiet. Like, I know. Didn't do anything at the show this year. So maybe. I mean, hopefully they do something at a. Uh, a PAX about it. I hope so. Even if it's just a silly movie or something. I would love yeah. that. That's yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, it would be really that's great. The, that's the next big show. So Some companies do save their stuff for that. So hopefully we will see in uh, roughly two months. I wonder if they, they the reason they do save it for PAX is because it mostly impacts it is playable. A lot of times, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's not obviously if it's in really, really early stage in the really early stages, but sometimes, most of the time, you can play, at least play a little bit of the game or see someone playing the game. Sure. But playing for the for the customer, the consumer to be playing the game is, I think, the best um, testament to whether you're going to like it or not. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a good segue point. We'll jump into our next topic here. So the 
big news. So when Star Wars came back from the dead with Episode Seven, and they had sold the rights from George Lucas over to Disney, they announced at that time that they were going to go to an every other year format. Every other year would be a numbered Star Wars entry. And in the years where there wasn't a numbered Star Wars entry, they were going to do a Star Wars story. Mm -hmm. So the first of these was Rogue One. And the next one was planned to be uh, Han Solo, which is a prequel, uh, young Han Solo, so not Harrison Ford. I forget the actor that they already announced it's going to be playing him, but talking about his early days. Alden Ehrenreich? Ehrenreich? Is the young Han Solo? Yes. So the announcement this week was the original directors that they had slated for this, which was a gentleman by the name of Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, uh, had left the project and they left over creative differences. And they replaced him with Ron Howard now is directing the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, so, And he has a pretty long-standing relationship with the Star Wars franchise in general. He did advise Lucas when he was doing the prequels. Yay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously is a pretty, I think as most of the internet was considering him a safe director. However, the folks that they let go are the guys who were behind 21 Jump Street, the, the movie version. They also did the Lego movie. Uh, Which was awesome. Yeah. Everything was awesome. Yes. So, <laughs> so they let him go. And a lot of the talk around it was that they couldn't, they were butting heads with Disney Marvel over how the film should be set. And a lot of people were expecting that they were going to turn this movie into pretty much a, a comedy, maybe action comedy, but the focus was going to be more on the comedic, kind of a la Guardians of the Galaxy, I would say. Mm. And they obviously didn't like that because the writer they had on there, who's a, a, a long-standing writer, either they didn't get along with him, there really isn't any much details but what this leads us to is this is not the first time that we've seen Disney Marvel do this. Edgar Wright was the original director for Ant-Man. And Edgar Wright did things like Shaun of the Dead. He's doing that Baby Driver movie. And he, whatever vision he had, they didn't like. And so they pulled him off of it. And that one was actually halfway through being done when they... And his he was pretty nice in his response when asked about it but basically said you know they didn't want to make you know they wanted to make an Ant-Man movie and I wanted to make an Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie mm -hmm. so again and we've seen a couple others there was a director who directed the uh, movie Selma who was uh, in talks to do Black Panther and she also pulled because they just couldn't agree on a vision so my question to you guys is, is you have these established series Star Wars the Avengers Marvel Universe and they obviously have a very tight control they they know what they want to do with the series but they're in doing that it seems like they're limiting a lot of the freedom of the directors and I want to know do you think that's good or bad hmm I guess for me it depends on the director okay it depends on whether I trust the director or not so Ron Howard is a pretty good director I feel that given what he is going to be given to work with, he would be able to make it, still make it his own and still make it a good movie. But if it was I, someone, I don't know, I, I really I can't tell until I see the final product. 
Right. More than anything, you know. But this is the, that's the point. You're yeah. never going to see these final products. <laughs> the, oh, you mean the pre the the I'm original? I'm saying, yeah, yes. you're you're basically they're they're taking the stance that they have a vision, and you're you're never going to see the the possibilities. I think with some of the more on the fringe, maybe at least from an idea type directors to the core idea, then. Well, I feel like uh, there's been a lot of times where someone has had a vision and that's just the way that vision is going to be no matter what. And it, it has gone either way. It just depends on whose vision it is. Now, so far, most of the time, the Star Wars visions have been pretty good. Well. Yes. We, we don't talk yeah. about those three. Yeah. Um, but everything else has been pretty good. Rogue One was pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I think they're, where they want their vision going is, again... I think with Ron Howard as as leading this, he will be able to make a good, I don't know, believable movie out of whatever he's given. Okay. Just mostly because I trust him. Okay. Then because I trust the people's vision. Okay. Vindy. Can you, I remember you, you had said that um, one side had wanted like a kind of Guardians of the Galaxy S movie. Was that the... A humor-centered movie was that the directors or was that the production? Yeah, that, that was the directors. Them? So the, the directors, and, and but originally the uh, even I think Disney came out and said their their kind of initial vision. This was like a year ago for the mm-hmm. Han Solo movie was kind of a, a an homage to like a western heist movie. Yeah, yeah. I think like I I feel like if you have a vision for your movie as the you know the initial their initial vision the production's initial vision you should be able to find a director that fits into that it shouldn't be like um compromising Mm -hmm. or it shouldn't be you shouldn't have to try to fit a, a square peg through a round hole like you find somebody that has similar has done things in the past that has similar um focal points whether it's focus on like the comedic you know some comedic and drama like to balance each other out or like a true western movie like they i almost feel like this shouldn't have happened in the first place because you should have had directors that you know are going to carry through your vision that's isn't that the point of getting together and like discuss sitting down and discussing where you want the movie to go I actually agree. I think that, that that is really important for you to have someone that that is a part of your vision. As a good leader, I guess, is what it would be, that the original. Yeah. Then you would also listen to any suggestions right, that right. that person and that, had because you trusted that person and you know that you have the same vision overall. So right. I guess this that's what like- I'm hoping for. This seems like somewhere there's a compromise made in terms of like, oh, well, you know, this is what we really want. You know, can you can you do that for us? And it shouldn't be like that. It should be a, there should be an idea and it should be two people, two sides of the coin, you know, direction and production mm-hmm. should be focusing on fulfilling that idea and giving their giving suggestions and giving criticisms, but that towards the same goal. And it really feels like that the directors that you know left it, it was all very amicable from what i saw and everybody's really nice about it surprisingly but 
how did this happen in the first place? Especially like part of the way through the movie. Yeah. Like, how exactly. much have they shot? Like, yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> like Ant Man was like already in full production, and Han- the Han Solo movie was almost done with principal photography. Yeah. So it was, you know, a decent ways in there, and yeah. I'm perfectly fine if you're interviewing directors and you come out of it and say, look, this director, our vision and their vision, they're just not compatible. Like, uh-huh. or, or we don't think we'll get to where we want to go or, or they're going to be frustrated because we're going to limit the yeah. creativity. That's perfectly fine. I think that's, that makes sense. But if you start getting a pattern of letting directors go midway through the movies, yeah. then yeah, I, I mean, like you said, like what what are you asking these folks when you're bringing them on? Exactly, then? that's <laughs> the, true. That's true. Maybe they're asking the wrong questions. Yeah, or they're they're not focusing on the right thing. They're not they're focusing on extraneous details rather than the core right idea. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah, I agree. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And, and or are they just picking because it's a name and they're not really familiar, I guess, because I mean, you look at like Edgar Wright, like it's pretty obvious what type of movies this guy does. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. very specific to him and especially when he's collaborating with Simon Pegg. And you know, that's, you know, if you if you brought him in to do a movie, you kind of know yeah. What, what the humor, what the humor, and what mm-hmm. the flow and the feel of the movie is going to be. So to to be surprised by that or to be changed, you know. And I think the other big, my only real other issue is, is that you might miss out on some big gems, like look at Deadpool. And yeah, how long yes. they fought, and basically, you know, that was more the director and the writers saying, "No, we're sticking with our vision." You know, mm-hmm. screw you, Fox. You're not going to to take that away until Fox basically just gave him a little bit of money and said, "Okay, go make a movie." Finally, but Deadpool, the original vision was was not. Um, it was not the big studio's original vision. No. The original vision came from from the director from and Ryle Reynolds. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, in that case. Uh, yeah, I definitely understand them going, hey, no, this was our vision. We right. brought you this vision, so we need to stick to our vision. Right, but but Fox could have easily uh, came out and done the same thing that Marvel has done and said, look, we already have our universe established. You you can have your vision, but you need to follow within these parameters, which is what I'm guessing it sounds like has come both in the Marvel and the Star Wars, is Disney's come and said... That's great. You have this vision, but here's here's the the binders or the bookends to to that vision, and that's our universe. And you mm-hmm. need to play within that space. If you get out of that space, then you know it, this is a no go. Well, I think I believe this this is uh, one of those things where both visions match because, again, it has to be someone that is compatible with your vision. Because I believe Ryan Reynolds. They took so long to write that story that I'm sure they took care to make sure that it was in that universe. Well, they made it in the universe, but remember, I mean, they wouldn't even let them use any of their named X-Men. Right. So they had to use people that hadn't been really on the screen. Colossus had been sort of on there, but it was horrible, so I think they didn't mind. And then Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I mean, yeah. So it's... But it's, again, testament to, the, testament to the vision, they took those... Oh, I'm not, parameters. Yeah, I'm and not. I'm not out of with park, Yeah, right. but I'm just saying that I don't know. We, could that happen with Disney Marvel today? Well, eh, I mean, obviously it can, but I, I feel like you, 
I feel like you should know what you're getting into. If you're if you're making if Tim Burton is making your Star Wars movie, you know it's going to be dark, and you know at some point Johnny Depp is going to be in it. Right. So you've got to know what you're getting into when you hire your directors. Yeah, but I I also agree with what you guys had said earlier that it, you're going to miss out on some possible like creative. Ideas. Like le- ideas from left field, right. like it is. That's like limiting somebody's creative, like I don't want to say vision, but like their ability to take something and add their creative spin onto it. Maybe make it something more, because if you're not letting that happen, then where is? I, are these executives, these producers, and you know, like their suits and these boardrooms that are figuring out the dollar signs and the basic premises of these movies are they the ones that are going to make these creative choices that make these movies really super memorable i don't think so yeah and that's that's i guess my my only downside to it and there are a lot of pluses to me Mm -hmm. as well of them keeping that kind of tight control especially being a comic book fan or a fan of star wars you get a much more coherent through line story between all your movies but I'm, a, I'm a, especially I'm also a little disappointed on the movies themselves that they chose to do this with in that the the one-off Star Wars movies were supposed to be their let's try some stuff type yes. movies like these aren't part of the the, the numbered canon mm-hmm. let's let's do something different cuz Rogue One was a very different Star Wars movie yeah. than any of the previous numbered episodes and i would think that you know Han Solo and then like going back to Mar- the Marvel side like Ant-Man you you didn't feel comfortable taking a shot on something with Ant-Man <laughs> like where was the giant Ant-Man fan base that you were right. worried about pissing off <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's just a little weird of the ones like if it was Avengers, you know, Infinity War, the next one of those, right. and they said, "Yay, this isn't working. We need to bring somebody else in." Okay, I, I'm I'm going to give you guys the benefit of the doubt on that. But mm-hmm. for your your kind of smaller movies or things that are smaller in the universe, I'd like that. Those are the ones I want to see them try something different mm-hmm. because I think that's that's the best test bed for it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I honestly, when you said that they were trying to make the Han Solo movie kind of like a in the humor style of the Guardians of the Galaxy, that sounds great to me. Yeah. I'm I'm interested in that, especially like with the sarcastic humor that character has going on. Like, absolutely, I would be super down for that, right? <laughs> I, mean, well, I think Woody Harrelson is his mentor, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's got so. some nice, uh, good cast looking in there. And yeah, I mean, Han Solo always throughout the Star Wars movies has been the funny, the funny sarcastic, yeah. snarky, you know, uh, smuggler. And Chewie and his interaction. I mean, they had a lot of comedy even in episode seven. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, I, I think it fit naturally there. And it was it's an interesting juxtaposition against Rogue One, which was pretty heavy in yes, general. Yeah, it was pretty serious. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I think it's it's neat to have different types of stories within that universe, whereas, I mean, obviously Episode 8, I think, is this year, so we'll see, because Episode 7 was fun and, and a very, you know, it was basically Episode 4, but it was still a, a good movie and a, a not super serious, take itself super serious movie, and I would assume that's going to continue through and be the, those type of kind of like family movies that you can go to. So hopefully we'll we'll see some different on these one-offs and see him go. So I yeah, to wrap that 
my my view of it up is I I hope they are willing to take chances on the movies that it makes sense to make have them make take chances on but i do appreciate the fact especially looking at the marvel universe what they've been able to do to keep a very tight storyline through all their movies and make them all feel like they're part of the same universe yeah whoever Mm -hmm. is in charge of that in marvel is doing a pretty damn good job of keeping that cohesion there (laughs) And I think that's the difference between the success between the Marvel Universe and the DC. Well, like, I mean, Wonder Woman is great, and the DC Universe is just being birthed. So we'll see. And yeah, it's not cohesion. being birthed well, though. It's so funny. I read an article, and Zack Snyder was saying, like, oh, yeah, it's great. DC just kind of lets us do what, never put any, you know, limits on oh. me. And it's like, yeah. They need uh, to put it some limits on you. <laughs> Uh, good news. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, maybe a little bit of limits isn't a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, oh, and, and speaking about DC, just a little side tangent. Uh-huh. I guess Wonder Woman is, after this weekend, going to set the all-time record for a live-action film box office directed by a woman. Yes! Yay! That's awesome! Yeah. Oh. So exciting! Uh, it makes they, me want to go watch it again. Yeah. Now we we need to do that. That's we should. Good. I wonder if the Alamo out here is doing anymore. Yeah. Oh, I right. know that would be fantastic. <laughs> That'd be cool. So yeah, and they had to qualify with live action because there was a female director on Frozen, and so that's why uh, that movie made crazy money. Yeah. Well, because kids. <laughs> kids. 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 <laughs> I mean, if you can quiet your kid for two hours, you're oh, taking yeah. to that movie for, you know, 15, 16 times. Absolutely. Yeah. God. <laughs> Let it go. Oh, man. So that was good news. Yeah, so definitely a strong showing. And, and that may, you know, change some of DC's mind and say, hey, maybe we should look more at some other directors to plan our vision than uh, Zack Snyder. All right. Well, that was a good discussion and brings us handily towards the end of our show. Unless you guys have anything else you'd like to add? No, I think I'm good. No, I don't. Okay. Well, feel free to check us out on the web at www.alphageekradio.com. Listen to all the shows on there. We also have live shows, live video shows, and... You can check out a wide variety of uh, topics and awesome hosts. You can check us out on the Twitter. I'm GrailCH. Daxa is at DaxaCH. And Vindy is at Vindy underscore. On Twitter, check us out on Facebook at Casually Howard Core, which Daxa actually did put some updates on. I we are just show updates. We We're starting out slow, guys. We're starting out slow. Social media warriors. True, yeah. Boom. Just, just cranking them out. Uh, and so we have that. We, you can check us out on iTunes. You can subscribe to our RSS feed to stay up to date on all our lovely episodes as soon as I get around to posting them, which is usually within a day from the actual recording. Mm-hmm. And especially since this one has gone from a technical standpoint so very well, there's a good chance I'll have this up very quickly. With that... About time. <laughs> yeah. Don't jinx it. No doubt. <laughs> okay. I've been Grail. I'm Vindy. And I've been Dexa. And we are out of here. 
title and background music for this production provided courtesy of Sean Beeson, composer for media. Find him on the web at www.seanbeeson.com. That's S-E-A-N-B-E-E-S-O-N.com.